Well, good morning. Um, it's great to be able to share with you this morning. Um, it's, it's such an exciting day, isn't it? Five people being baptized. It's, it really is special. Um, and as well as that, I seem to be blessed with being the very first person to um, share from the new lectern. So, Dan, awesome job. Um, but the water's way down there. I just need a shelf. But there are a few things I just wanted to share. And, you know, maybe you're here today and you don't really know sort of what baptism is all about. Or maybe you're here and, and you know, you've been a believer for a while, um, but you haven't yet been baptized. And, and so I just wanted to share a few things from Scripture that I hope will inspire you, um, encourage you, and help you to understand why baptism is an important part of the Christian walk. You know, we know from the Bible that, that Jesus was about 30 years old when he entered into what we call his public ministry. And if you read through the Gospels, you'll know that the very first thing he did before he started his public ministry was what? He was baptized. Right. And, um, you know, the Bible doesn't really tell us why Jesus was baptized. Have you ever thought about it? Why Jesus needed to be baptized? No? I have. I've often wondered why John, um, the person who baptizes him is, is John. And he's down at the Jordan River, isn't he? And he's he's. He's baptizing people for a baptism of repentance. And you're thinking, Jesus, Son of God, perfect man, why does he have to be baptized? Now, I think it's a valid question. And and if you read through it, you'll realize that even John himself seemed confused. Yeah? So it, when you read the the the, um, the account in Matthew three, and if, if you've got a Bible and you can follow me and keep up with me and move through really quickly, then do that. If not, hopefully we'll have um, the verses come up as well. In, in Matthew three thirteen through fifteen, we read: Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, saying, "I need to be baptized by you." Why do you come to me? And I, I, I just want to stop there for a second because, you, you know, John's, essentially John's going, hang on a minute, I know you. I know you're the Lamb of God. I know you're the one who's going to uh, deliver us. You're the Savior. You're the Messiah. What, what are you asking me for? It should be the other way around. And I love what Jesus does here. He says, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And I just want to stop. There's three more words at the end that I think are really kind of cool here. But you see, although we don't really understand why, Jesus just says to John, look, this is the way it's got to be. Now, I've read a lot of commentators um, over the last few days, and, and some of them say that Jesus was setting an example to us for what we need to do. Um, others say that Jesus was identifying himself uh, with 
sinful man in, in, in order to give that example. So, some are, you, you know, so there's lots of different ideas, but, but Jesus doesn't tell us that. The Bible doesn't tell us that. All it says is Jesus says to John, let it be so that all righteousness can be fulfilled. And I love John's response. He doesn't ask why. He doesn't get into the question, hang on a minute, why why do we need to do this? Is this an example? Is this this? He just says, he agreed. It's like God said, this is what we're going to do. And John said, okay. Wouldn't it be good if that's how we all actually behaved? Wouldn't it be great if our kids just did that? You know, go, go to your room, okay. Do your homework. Okay. Right, I want you to come home, get changed, do your homework, uh, and eat before you play. Okay. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, just remember that God says the same things to us. You know, Abraham, go off to a place I'm going to show you. Okay. How many times does God ask us to do things, and, and instead of just, you know, agreeing... We're going, yeah, well, I don't really get that, God. What, what's that all about? Um, do, do you want to explain it to me? I, I need to know everything before I can move with you. But those three little words are just great little words. Then John agreed. And, and that's all we know, is that Jesus tells John, it's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. So Jesus starts his ministry with baptism. And at the end uh, of Matthew, in Matthew 28, we have what's um, commonly known as the, the Great Commission, where Jesus makes this statement. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Doing what? baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And it comes with a wonderful promise. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now that's, that's around about 40 days after the resurrection. So you've got this, thinking about this, Jesus starts his ministry with baptism and he finishes his earthly ministry with the command to make disciples and go baptize them. Wonderful bookmarks. And then pretty much ten days later, the disciples are in Jerusalem in the upper room and it's the, um, uh, what's it called? Pentecost would be a useful word, wouldn't it? So 50 days after the resurrection... Pentecost, just 10 days later, they're up in the the upper room when the Spirit comes upon them and and Peter stands up and he starts to address the crowd. And he starts by um, quoting a prophecy from Joel in the Old Testament. And and the very last part of that section of that prophecy, it ends with this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not just some of you, not just one or two, not just the most devout, the most faithful, the most law-abiding. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then it goes on to tell them in Acts chapter 2, verse 22 to 24, Jesus of Nazareth 
was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And I just love this. You know, I was really inspired. I I need to read Acts again, because it's just wonderful. You know, when, when the people took Jesus to, to, uh, and put him on trial, which led to his uh, crucifixion on the cross, there were a lot of people in that crowd who were thinking, we did this. And I just love this phrase in the middle of this, it wasn't their plan. It wasn't their plan. God It was God's deliberate plan. And he knew exactly what he was doing. Exactly when he was going to do it. Exactly how he was going to do it. And and these people were just partakers of God's plan. It was his plan. But he says, with the help of wicked men, still talking to the crowd, um, you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him. To a cross. God's plan. And you know, if it, for most of us, if we're taken to a cross and we're nailed uh, to the cross and we die, that's pretty much the end of the story, isn't it? But I love what Peter goes on to say, but God raised him from the dead. Freeing him from the agony of death. Why? Because it was impossible for death to keep hold on him. Isn't that... You know, a lot of people say that I use the word awesome too much because it sort of diminishes the word tough. I'm going to say, that's awesome. That really is awesome. God's plan was that Jesus would go and die on a cross for us. But it wasn't the end of the plan. It was to raise him up. So that when we partake with Christ. We can experience the same resurrection glory. That Christ has. That's awesome. Then down in verse 36. Peter continues. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Now we could rephrase that in, in, in modern language and, and, and say, therefore, let all of us be assured of this. This Jesus, who was crucified, God has made to be Lord and Messiah. But I just want you to think about the, uh, the people that Peter's talking to. You know, these predominantly were Jews in Jerusalem. They'll have been there for, the, for one of the great festivals. And they would have known what had happened to Jesus. And think about, if you were one of them, you're in a place 
your holy place, your place where God's presence is with you, your place of sanctuary and security, and your place is being overrun and controlled by an invading force, a different nation imposing its rules upon you, and you've been praying and seeking and asking God for a saviour. And then you find out that you just sent him to a cross. That's got to be a bit of a shock, hasn't it? And so they ask probably the most important question anyone could ever ask down in verse 37. And they cry up to the disciples and they say, Brothers, what shall we do? You know, another way to ask that question is, what must I do to be saved? It really is probably the most important question anybody on this planet can ask. They came to a point where they realized, you know what, we've made a mistake. What we've done is wrong. The way we've done it is wrong. And if if what we've done is wrong, and, and, and the way we've done it is wrong, and we've actually sent the Lord's anointed to be crucified, wouldn't you be asking the question? What shall we do? And then Peter's response is simple. In verse 38, he says, Repent, and then what? Be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins you know for Peter it was simple now he just heard this message if you think about it he'd only heard this message from Jesus 10 days ago and so you'd hope he hadn't forgotten But it really is a simple message the message of the cross to every one of us is simple repent And be baptized. And then in verses 40 and 41, it says, With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And you know, today's really no different. You know, a hundred years ago was really no different. A thousand years ago, really no different. There there is a world out there that really is a corrupt generation. Every generation that comes along finds new ways to corrupt itself. That's in nature in the world. You know, I think there are people who, who, who are forcibly promoting that, but generally speaking, it's just sin nature in the world. And so... Peter pleads with them and and gives them a warning. He says, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those, and then it goes on to say, those who accepted his message were what? Sorry, is it not up there? There you go. It's one of those Jerusalem questions. Where were they heading? Jerusalem. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And what happened that day? About 3,000 people were added to their number. 
That's a baptism service and a half, isn't it? You know, I'm, I'm absolutely stoked. We've got five going down to the beach today. 3,000, you'd have a busy afternoon. You'd be very wet and wrinkly. <laughs> but you know, that's the simple message, isn't it? So right the way through scripture, you've got this idea, repent, be baptized. Jesus starts with baptism. He ends with baptism. The disciples were baptizing because that was the, re, the, the thing required of them by Christ himself. And you know, throughout the New Testament, the words um, baptism, baptize, baptisms are used over 70 to 80 times. Do you think it's important? So Jesus bookends his earthly ministry with this idea of baptisms. The disciples called for people to be baptized. And this afternoon, what's amazing is 2,000 years down the line, that call is being heard again. And five more people are going to be baptized. And that's special. But I want you to think, when you, if you're going down to the beach, and I encourage you to do this. When you go down to the beach this afternoon, hold on to what we're talking about right here. What we're saying, you know, because when you're watching the event, understand what it is that you're watching. It's an amazing time where we get to see the gospel of Jesus Christ lived out in people's real lives with hardly a word spoken. Think about that. The act of standing in the water waiting to be dumped. You know, it's... it's, you know, a lot of them stand there like that, don't they? Because, um, sorry, that's me. It's my fault. Sorry. You know, the, we, you, you got to hold yourself a particular way because it just makes it easier. But, but that's really what you're doing. When you're standing in the water, waiting to be dunked, and, and then you're put under the water, and then you're raised up again, it's, it's a gospel message. In Romans 6, 3, uh, in Romans 6, verses 3 to 4, the Apostle Paul tells us, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. It doesn't stop there. In order that, Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You know, I can testify to to the life-changing work of Christ. I can. You know, and if if you've given your your life to the Lord, you'll be able to testify to the life-changing work of Christ in your life. You will. But if you're here today and you're wondering what it's really all about, uh, you know, it's really all about identifying yourself with Jesus. With his death, his burial, and his resurrection. You know, from the first time man disobeyed God to, uh, to today, God's heart is that we repent and turn back 
to him. That we identify ourselves with our creator, the one who made us. And he's made a way for every one of us to be able to be reconciled with him through Jesus Christ. And what's amazing in baptism is that we become baptized into Christ. And so when we're baptized, we can join Paul when he said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. You know, it's funny, the, the, the world, if you listen to people in the world today, and, uh, you know, it's a, there's this kind of view that you need to fill your life with as much as possible before you die. Well, whatever that is, whether it's alcohol, money, drugs, the, the, not even just the bad stuff, television, partying, whatever. You know, and, and yet the Bible's kind of a little bit funny because it seems to suggest that actually, really, before you can start to live, that person needs to die. And, and I've, I've done that side of it, and I, I, I've tried to live that way before I died, and to be honest, I'm glad I died so that now I can live in Christ. It's, it really is a better way to live. And it says, it is no longer, uh, I have been crucified with Christ, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And it's a life we can live with confidence because it's a life that is in Christ. Colossians 3 verses 1 through 4 says this. Since then, so, so we've died, we, we've identified ourselves with the, 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 the death and the burial of Christ. But Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. New life. This is new life. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. Not on earthly things. For you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So, you know, baptism is a way, if you like, to publicly identify yourself with Jesus. An act that demonstrates your faith in the promises of God. So, again, I, you know, I, I, I want to finish there. And, and I, but I, I do just want to encourage you, if, if you've not yet been baptized and and you want to know more about what it means to be identified with Jesus if you're a believer and you you haven't taken that step yet um, please do speak to um, to Pete or one of the leadership team and and I know that they would love to go through it with you 
But maybe you're here and, and you're kind of hearing this for the first time. Or, or maybe uh, you've, 